0: You know what my mother used to call me? Dangerous.
1: You're a dangerous girl.
2: She was right. I am dangerous.
1: everybody and welcome back to the whole movie podcast the neon demon edition we are gathered here again today it is i your co-host jordan cruciola and i am with one of you to take a stab at it
0: i'm uh william o tyler all right artist uh writer and cinephile
1: (laughs) great great abby lee enthusiast Uh, we love it
0: abby lee enthusiast (laughs)
1: Uh,
2: I am Roxana Haddadi, pop culture critic, recovering victim of the American healthcare system, oh, and fellow cinephile.
1: It's got to be one of that's got to be one of the biggest clubs in America
2: that yeah. a person yeah, could be. be honest. Legion them, strong, legion <laughs> strong,
1: unfuckwithable. As mm-hmm. soon as they're able to get back out there, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, mm-hmm. and today. Oh, what a, what a scene we're going to unpack. You know, we're, we're thinking of this one in terms of, you know, today we're going to unpack, is there a problem? We're going to talk about the gold paint nude model photo shoot in neon demon. And wow, has like, rarely has there been so much to say about a scene where no one says anything at all. And just up, just off the top. So goddamn scary with Desmond. So Desmond Harrington, I think is his name is. Like yeah. watching <clears throat> in true refin fashion, the only thing we really get in this audio commentary is him talking about like the logistics of this scene. And I'm just like, somebody say something. Like at one point she's like, oh, and and she's uncomfortable. And like that's about the extent of it. And you're just, it's it's almost like a joke watching people talk over the top of this scene and being like are you are we watching the same movie right now because i feel like i want to die
2: um it reminds me very much of spring breakers and how harmony Corrine just like took the girls to like a real florida strip club and was like all right good luck (laughs) because i know that there was like I think that scene where Selena Gomez is telling James Franco that she wants to leave, I think that's a scene that's like real.
1: I think um, that's really just, disturbing because she looks yes. fucking upset yes. in that scene. Like, I remember yes. being really taken by her performance in that scene, being like, wow, Selena really brought it, but maybe she's, she's just being terrorized. Right, yes. That wasn't acting.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that very much reminds me of this scene now. Do I necessarily think that, like, Refin is like all right fuck it good luck I, I don't think so I don't think yeah. that He would do sort of the same thing that Corrine would do uh-huh. but I do Think it has that same sense of Like we all know That this is uncomfortable and it's Supposed to be mm-hmm. and we're Gonna live in it for a
1: little while Yeah
2: And it's great And impactful wow. but it is Also so just like Skin crawlingly Uncomfortable to watch. She just reads so young. Yeah. And it's one of those <sighs> things again where I'm like, mm, you are everybody's gonna believe you when you say how old you are, mm-hmm. but also nobody's gonna believe you. Like, you know, like we're all seeing the same yes. thing here. Yes. And I think that scene very well pulls off that duality of like, she said that she's wants this, she has pursued this, mm-hmm. she's gonna do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but And I'm sure we'll get to this later on, but that question of like, what happens to her, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. and what this experience actually changes for her, is I think an interesting one, because it's successful. Mm -hmm. The photo shoot is successful. It helps her get another thing that she wants. Mm -hmm. But what does she lose at the same time?
1: And one of the few I- things content-wise L does offer in as this is playing out is she like when like the paint is applied to her and like she knows that like you know Jack is enamored of her she just mm-hmm. like L says like I'm gaining power. Like mm-hmm. there is a there that is a distinct pivot to where it's like the payoff is the payoff is happening. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm feeling it right now. I'm feeling I'm feeling imbued with it. And even, even though just moments ago, Elle is literally trembling, insecure, and and uncertain as her clothes are being, or as she's peeling off her clothes and looking like the most vulnerable, delicate, white is the driven snow blonde girl, you could possibly have. Like, I mean, I, I watching it now, I was like, I haven't looked at this. I haven't revisited this scene in a while. Cause I go back to individual scenes so much. And just like, I want to watch that. I have to be a real interesting place to be like, I feel like watching the gold paint scene. right And so it had been mm-hmm. a minute and seeing the just shaking like a leaf while she's standing there as Jenna Malone is off to the side and you see her threat level immediately chart. Cause she knows exactly what the, what the issue is here. And Jesse probably knowing but also not knowing at the same time it's it's an absolutely wrenching combination of things to experience Mm
0: -hmm. yeah William what do you think this whole scene seems like Mm because we've gotten all of all of Jesse's stepping stones to get to where she wants to go but this scene really feels like um the test for her like Mm -hmm. is this really what you want and how much are you going to give for what you want um which is unfortunate that this is you know, the, the quote we're we're talking about today, is there a problem? Mm-hmm. Um, it's unfortunate that this is a real thing that happens. Um, and it's you you know, as a at a young age, having to do that um is awful, but then women just being put into this position of having to do this regardless mm-hmm. is also awful. Um, and it is a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like it's like what you uh brought up earlier in, in previous episodes, Jordan, how we, as viewers, as audience watching this and just continuing to watch it happen, mm-hmm. um, is really calling out that, you know, this is a systemic problem. We're all part of that problem. A um,
1: not insignificant part of me watches this scene and feels that involuntary reaction in my head that just goes... Wow. Like the idea of that being like a Carly Kloss, the idea of that being like a Coco Rocha and the idea of like that, you know, in a less harrowing circumstance, the model and like the model artist and the photo artist having this moment of communion where it's like, it's just me and you, everyone's out of the room. In like a best case scenario where it's not terrifying. It's like, wow, this is like, it. this is what it's all about. And it's like, Oh fuck. You're, you're totally pasting that onto what is a 16 year old girl yes. who is being essentially, as you said, William, in the last episode, she's pray for somebody. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, even as she comes into some power, she's still pray for Jack.
0: Yeah. And she, you know, she comes into this room, the photo shoot is, you know, it's a regular um uh room with this white backdrop and she comes into it and she's a part of a group of people that are there. She, you know, there's, the whole set is there. Um, but then as it's her turn to get in front, um, she walks into this white void. And it and the the movie presents it in a way where what Jesse is going through and what she's doing is the only thing that you can see on yeah, screen. Like totally. it is not just it's not, it's more than pulling focus, it's literally the only focus. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be right there with her. And it is cringe worthy, it's so gut-wrenching to watch this scene.
1: Well, and, and that she enters the scene wearing chucks, just wearing converse like chucks and a sundress that goes yeah. down to her ankles. And she's been, you know, made up with the the gold decals on her face and her hair has been curled. And Ruby walks her up to Jack. And he's just, he looks like he, he looks so starving and like he is going to eat her. There's there's just that, that conveyance of like, this man is a celebrity, he's famous christina hendrick's character has set her has served her up for jack knowing that who everybody knows who jack is i'm sure in this industry but it's like you need to get in front of him because he makes he makes models and so she puts him in front of this person who's so jaded like he's seen it all you just imagine like you imagine him in like this debauched scenario where he's at like some after hours hollywood party and they're like women fucking each other and there's drugs everywhere and he's just sitting there like smoking a cigarette because nothing matters anymore and then yeah. we like in the way that this movie does like similarly with like the jaded fashion designer people see jesse and they change they sort of see possibility again but he's just looking at her like a fucking reanimated corpse and her lifeblood will restore him again it is I want to like I want to reach through the I want to jump through the screen and kill him. Like I'm just like, no, get him out of here. Like terrifying.
0: He's no He's totally uh,
1: I love him so much.
2: <laughs> like i so right. He's so right. Like he's, so he, right. Yeah, like he's horrifying. But again, like when I rewatch this movie, I really do not consider him as much of a threat as sure. Ruby is in that scene. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. You know, cause like to me, I'm like, man, fucking Ruby. Like, Mm -hmm. how many girls has she brought to this place, Mm -hmm. on whom she has her own intentions? And like, is it more evil to be this guy Mm -hmm. who is very clear in what he wants from you, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's no artifice actually with a guy like this. There's no
1: pleasantries. There's no courtesies. Right. transactional
2: and that's the thing is that i think you could read this two ways right like you could read it like he either wants to fuck her again Mm -hmm. are you food or are you sex he either wants to fuck her or she is the opportunity for his creative rejuvenation so Mm -hmm. it's either like it's using her body just in one way or another Mm -hmm. but again Ruby ultimately does the exact same thing. So there's part of me when I rewatch the scene
1: that begrudgingly I'm like well at least he's not hiding it. (laughs) Right. I mean I would rather see a predator coming. I would rather see the predator coming. I like you know very like family stuff but like I grew up in a home where there was like a lot of yell fighting. Like Mm -hmm. that just like we had our fights. My parents like didn't go in and close the door and so I'm very comfortable with open conflict. I don't like Mm -hmm. seek it out I'm not like we need to be fighting or we're not happy (laughs) but the idea of like I would rather have you yell at me than go silent on me I am a hundred times more comfortable with because I want to know what I'm dealing with I want to know what the issue is what the trouble is what the threat is the idea of the thing hiding in the tall grass that freaks me the fuck out
2: Mm -hmm. yeah and so there is this part of me that um not appreciates, but can acknowledge that what he's doing is fairly upfront. Mm -hmm. And I do think there is still an interesting parallel here between what she is able to absorb from this experience Mm -hmm. in the same way that she absorbs something from Dean, Mm -hmm. I think. And so I just think it's interesting because At this point in the movie, because we don't really know what Ruby and the models want, Mm -hmm. it does still have that element of a fairy tale where it's almost like she's traveling from castle to castle. Yeah. Like like slaying the bad kings Uh and like absorbing their power on her next step forward. Mm -hmm. You know, because like the photo shoot goes great. The photos are beautiful. Like she once again makes an impression. Mm -hmm. That nobody has been able to make for a long time, mm-hmm. um, but I think what the movie is asking, and what we're all sort of asking with like terms like jaded and cynical and all that stuff, is like how long does that last
1: for her? Yeah.
2: Um, and I don't know. You know, I don't know if the movie actually ever answers that.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I like don't we don't know. we don't know the longevity of what the absorption does for mm-hmm. an Abby. Like, we don't know how much like, it's like moving through a video game and like you get like a power up. And yeah. how long does that, how do, how long does your star of invincibility last? And mm-hmm. you can run and you're sparkly and you can tear through everything before you're just you again and you want that invincible star back. Right. Yeah, and I don't
2: know, again, the I think the point of the movie is to sort of cut that down and analyze the people who are doing the destroying mm-hmm. more than the person who is destroyed but i love this scene because jesse is sort of thinking well i can use this like she said mm-hmm. before "Like yeah. i can use this yeah jack is thinking he can use this yes right and ruby is also thinking i can use this mm-hmm. yeah. because at the end i think of how Ruby goes to her and is like checking if she's okay and Mm -hmm. it almost feels like Ruby wants her to say that she's not Mm -hmm. so that Ruby can be there for her
1: of course Um, yeah
2: you know so again it's that sense of like everybody has these motivations Mm -hmm. upon her and they're just I don't know they're all just competing with each other
1: so my question to both of you would be then because there is that like I think this scene builds so well with the way Jesse is walked in by Ruby and the way we have them side by side and Jack approaches the wraith that he is, just like looking at her. And Ruby, you see the discomfort. Like she knows this routine. She knows exactly what's happening. And when he's like, take off your shoes. Like you see her shift, you see her change. I feel like that is a sincere moment from Ruby. I feel like she knows what this is. She knows the threat that's posed. And Mm -hmm. I think there's an involuntary response, even if she's kind of a honeypot and she has like an objective of her and she has an objective of her own. What do you guys, do you think that is all artifice? Do you think any reaction of discomfort or derision from Ruby in that moment is disingenuous and it's part of this whole grand act? Or is it rooted in the fact that she wants Jesse to be primarily dependent upon her? And so she's lamenting ceding power to this other figure because i see that like even if she's an asshole older sorority sister she's still been through the gambit and been to the frat parties and still can recall her own experiences in these way that were scarring mm-hmm. what do you what do you guys think like what's her level of sincerity in that moment
0: i think that her reaction is um definitely sincere but for the latter reason that you okay. said i think mm-hmm. that i think that ruby has already um set her claws on Jesse at this mm-hmm. point and for another hunter to come in and try to challenge for this prey, mm-hmm. she's like, oh, no, uh, uh-uh, this is not going to happen. Okay. So her, her reaction, her being upset that, um, because everyone else is, when he says close set, everyone leave, everyone else is just complacent, which is another thing that really bothers me with this scene. Everyone else just yeah. leaves without leaves. any question. All right, everybody. Thank you for your work. It's going to be a close set.
1: They, leave, they know what Jack does. They know what it means when Jack tells you to walk out of the room and they go. Ruby
0: Ruby is the one that's like, um, I can stay. And I think that she wants to stay because she wants to watch over Jesse for her own personal reasons, not for Jesse's good fortune. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's going to use Jesse's idea that she is, you know, this wholesome person um, as a way to to keep in touch with Jesse for Jesse to be on her side. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's a it's all a cat and mouse game cuz this is you know like we were saying in the last episode the all of that dangerous stuff that happened with the mountain lion um so much we've met so many characters like um Keanu who just are upfront not yeah. trustworthy. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. and this is another character that is upfront very um uh uncomfortable with mm-hmm. Jack. Um, Ruby at this point in the movie, is our comfort zone. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Ruby is is the the stepmother in the Cinderella story and she's going to play that role for her own purposes, not because she really wants Jesse to be safe, but because she wants Jesse to be for her. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's just latching on to her.
2: Do you think Do you think there's any possibility that at this moment, ruby loves her or do you think her intention is always the we're gonna like bleed you dry and eat you
1: i'm i'm a sap and i think there is at least a telling herself or like convincing herself that she feels a sincere care for mm-hmm. this person even if it's not necessarily bone deep and that mm-hmm. when the moment of truth comes she will literally consuming Jesse, like it stops at it. Like you, that, that gets checked at the door at mm-hmm. a certain point. But I think to a degree that with the way that we have these women as kind of like archetypes, instead of like full people, the way they are, they're just sort of symbols of something. I think there is this to the extent that she can feel mm-hmm. Love and care for another person. I think she does. And I think, much like everybody else, is uniquely affected by Jesse so too is Ruby uniquely affected by Jesse, And I think Mm -hmm. she goes through this cycle with people that she doesn't necessarily always eat, Um, but that she, (laughs) there is an extraordinary, I think it emphasizes the extraordinary quality of Jesse in the context of this movie, where I think that does penetrate. I think that does get through Ruby's veneer a bit to not make her question her choices or her patterns, but Mm -hmm. to have her be like, maybe there's more for this girl with me than, than only the thing I know I want from her. Like, maybe there's an additional layer here. Like, maybe in her mind, they can sort of, like, have a weird coexistence. What is that? Not parasitic, um, but... Codependent. Codependent, some sort of reciprocal mm-hmm. relationship where she can feed from her. Like, she can she can be this vampire that feeds from her, but keeps her. And doesn't have to like destroy her to have the ultimate benefit from her, or, or to get off on her, to get how she get her, get what she wants. I think there's maybe some sort of equating to at least a little bit of like what if I can keep you though and have you be mine? Because yeah. I do feel a sort of protectiveness over you and a, and a, like a sort of cherishing of you. But ultimately I'm also a predator and I'm going to like sexually assault you in addition to like eventually eating you. So right. like- I, I will do both. <laughs> I will do both. Yeah, it's yeah. sort of like, it's sort of like how, you know, it, it like very much an abusive relationship. It's, it's that right. I love you you don't love me back in the way I want you to, well, fuck you then. Like mm-hmm. it it stops as soon as it does stop serving Ruby's interest. But I do mm-hmm. give her some credit for in that moment feeling that if even if it's just a remnant of an earlier version of herself where she had empathy and she wasn't a sociopath before she ceded her soul to this industry in this town, even if there's like just something, I think it harkens back to like a shadow of her when she remembered why she gave a shit when she remembered that this hurt. I don't
0: mind staying. It's not a problem. We're good.
1: And I Mm -hmm. think it reminds her of that.
2: I think the movie doesn't need backstory. Yeah. But I think this is the scene that makes me wonder most about what that backstory is. Mm -hmm. Because I do sort of wonder like, how did Ruby... Become this person, and how long has she been this person? Mm-hmm. Because there's something very like established about the routine that she has mm-hmm. in terms of like looking for fresh faces on sets, befriending them, mm-hmm. connecting them with the quote unquote right people. Mm-hmm protecting them in these moments against men like i think that her methodology is very established so it's definitely one of the only scenes where i sort of wonder like what happened before because like some of the stuff is a fun thought experiment right like we can think jesse killed her parents completely
1: i i love the dark universe thread where jesse has murdered she's killed before and she will kill again she'll
2: do it again yeah
1: (laughs) and so like i love that
2: idea and i love sort of thinking like who was ruby and honestly and how much do ruby and jack know each other because Mm -hmm. it seems like he has a fair amount of familiarity with her as well Mm -hmm. so i think there's also one of those things where you know we're obviously talking about codependency in terms of potentially what Ruby would want with Jesse or creative codependency and what somebody like Jack would want with Mm Jesse. But like, obviously there's codependency within this industry without Jesse. Like I think Jack and Ruby clearly have some sort of like established rapport, like Mm -hmm. for better or for worse. And then when we move forward into the casting scene, Everybody knows the guy that Alessandra Novola played, right? Like everybody knows these people and they're all these like established lines of power and dominance and submission. And then Mm -hmm. you like throw Jesse into that and like what does she disrupt and what stays exactly the same? Mm even when she's gone yeah then i think that's like the really cynical like women supporting women like you know like (laughs) that's like i think that's the stuff that refin is saying like a lot of this you can't change Mm.
0: yeah i think that that the idea of all the backstory is even um more interesting when we get to the very next scene after this where ruby is in the cafe with um with Bella and Abby mm-hmm. and I just, I, I along those same lines, I wonder how did they meet? Like, have they done this together before mm-hmm. or is, are, are those two models, someone that Ruby at one point also tried to do this with sure. and it failed. And so she was just like, let's work together. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Before, I mean, did she,
1: did she sort of take them as like, did she make them her vampires and yeah. like, you know, feed off of them and then they, fell into this like well now we just persist through time together like
0: it's it's, it's exactly like you were saying there these are all kind of um lions in the lion's den and Mm, you know when there's no food around when there's no prey around the lions will roam together and they'll they're fine together and they'll hang together Mm -hmm. and as soon as you put prey in they're like no that's mine yeah um and so we got to throw pause you know um it, it Yeah, I I wonder what this world was like before Jesse even entered. It's so Mm -hmm. interesting.
1: Well, and it makes it like, it gives this implication that it was like, it was so barren. Like they, (laughs) you know, she, she arrived and, and as Abby will tell us soon, it's like in the middle of winter, you're the sun. And Mm -hmm. we see like the first time Desmond Herring does such a good job in this. Like when you, you see him at the club, he's just like. Lurking off on another balcony, and as Refn says in the in the audio commentary, he looks like Nosferatu because he's he's backlit. And you see just like the shadow of him and Elle just goes, I love his ears. Look at his ears. <laughs> and Revan's like, yeah, he looks like a vampire. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, he's Nosferatu. He's no- and he was so skinny at the time. And, you know, he he really embodies that, like his his Nosferatu. And you see him like looking gaunt and scary in the club. And then you see him looking gaunt and scary at the photo shoot. And Revan calls him Nosferatu. And then when he's bathing Jesse in gold there's one moment where he smiles and it's at her when she is like become this idol this gold dipped idol and then he goes behind the camera and even if he's not smiling behind the camera there's there does seem to be a contentment of just like ah yes this is why I do what I do and that's Mm -hmm. the only that's the only time we get anything from him that registers above the notion of like deeply inconvenienced um seen it all cynical superstar photographer
2: i think that what's also so great about that moment as william mentioned where she goes into the white void yeah and then emerges outward Mm -hmm. is i feel like it's such a good first moment of like idolatry yeah and something that is being done. To her, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. rather later on during the catwalk, where I feel like the triangle moment mm-hmm. and who she emerges from after the triangle is something she does to herself. So yeah. I feel like it's a very good contrast in terms of like when is jesse a subject versus when is she an object, like when does she have subjectivity, objectivity, mm-hmm. like how much agency
1: our Mm -hmm. favorite word yeah like how
2: much agency does she have in any of these moments and i think again in terms of like making her a symbol like Mm -hmm. that's when jack has any kind of human emotion at Mm -hmm. all right when she loses her humanity and becomes a symbol for him yeah is when he is at his most human so it's all of these like oppositional reactions and feelings and emotions and like I think what's interesting too is again, like he is not really doing something very different Mm -hmm. from what her first, I don't even, I don't want to call him a boyfriend or whatever, but from, you know, but from the people who were posing her in these photo shoots where she's like bloody and dead or whatever. But this is so different from that. This is celebrating her beauty rather than destroying it and i right. think that is part of what's helping her along this like i could do this i could be mm-hmm. awesome mm-hmm. i could be powerful yeah. i can make money off pretty like i think there's a lot of that going on and i think ruby is frightened by that i think sure. william is right i think it's jesse slipping not even outside of her grasp to jack but just slipping outside of her grasp yeah yeah Yeah, Like the potential of leaving Ruby behind Mm -hmm. is the problem.
0: I really like the the applique that has been put on her for this photo shoot um, that feels kind of like uh, Grecian or kind of Amazonian, like this kind of like a um, armor that's been put on her. Mm -hmm. Um, And then with Jack um, adding the gold to her and then finally, you know, you said that was the moment where in the audio commentary, is like she's getting her power. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like she's um leveling up um and mm-hmm. she is is being armored with um her her beauty is being embedded with armor so that she can be stronger for whatever this industry has for her mm-hmm. um, which is is interesting that Jack would be um as much as the scene is cringeworthy and and, and very uncomfortable Jack would still be a part of helping her to do that um, mm-hmm. and for her to, like I was saying earlier, if this is a test and she's passing it, then she's moving on to the next phase. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not sure where I was going with that, but I, I find all of that interesting with um, the look of this, this photo shoot and the mm-hmm. armor and just her being able to um, uh, be empowered by something that could possibly be um, very uncomfortable. Like, well, like it, is this a
1: problem? <laughs> and then right. and that it takes that it takes place entirely in almost this void, like mm-hmm. you said the word void earlier and like this place out of space and time, where when she's in that white, when they're on that white backdrop, it's incredible. They look like they're floating. Like they look like they're just in beautiful. The, I mean it's, it's really incredible. Staggering. And then yeah. when you know Jack tells her like to just like turn around and he goes and turns off the lights, and then it gets all black for us remote. For the whole screen goes black. And yeah. then we only see him backlit through like the light pouring in from the doorway behind him and and says in the commentary that that in post-production they manipulated that a little bit to make it look like the door was very far away to emphasize Mm. this idea of infinity to emphasize like to make it look like oblivion so she goes from this white passageway to this completely black this white void to this completely black sort of suspended animation where only she exists with Desmond and it's like, she's almost passing through a wormhole on her way to becoming what the other thing is. And of course that happens with this like maker of superstars with that. Like, even when he is, even when he is standing at the camera, the hand that he has been painting her with is still gold up to the elbow. And so he stands there with his like Midas touch Having yeah. made her, mm-hmm. having made her this creation, and she's standing there like, and it's fascinating. Again, the the nuance, the tiny details of Elle's performance in this role, where we see her like enter a bit hopeful into the studio, where she's like, you know, so pleased to be there, and then you see her looking like, okay, unsure, and then you trepidatious. see her, yeah, trepidatious, and then you see her, but she's not given the shot up, and then you see her when it's her and Jack alone and he's telling her to take off her clothes and she looks fucking scared and the way that like when her dress drops and l is in nude bra and nude underwear and she's 16 years old and the movie is in a wide shot with nothing else around her forcing you to be like i'm either gonna like like, deliberately look away and look at the sky and look at the floor or i'm gonna look at the 16 year old girl with her clothes on Mm -hmm. and not like a pretend 16 year old girl for the movie a real one and her, it's a body of a girl. It's a girl's body. (laughs) And it's just so like, it's like, wow, that's so many girls. (laughs) That's, that's girls. That's young girls. Look at them right there. There they are. And it is so like, it's, you're so involved. You're so agonizingly involved. And she, when she steps, she like sidesteps her dress when she comes out of it and you see like L's long and you see the way she kind of folds in and she's not like hugging her body, but you see her fighting the urge to do it and kind of like, I'm not, I'm okay. I'm a cool girl. Like I, I'm just going to put my hands at my sides and that's fine. And you see the way she kind of makes herself little until the point where he tells her to like take off her clothes and she's like fully nude and, but wearing like, like covers for the photo shoot, I mean, for the, for the shoot on, on set and you see her like quaking and kind of trembling and not knowing to the point where then she's covered in the gold paint. And as Elle says, like, she's feeling more powerful the way she is just like looking into the camera and kind of sublimating herself into the image and being like, I am one with this process. So Elle goes through so much in a short period of time in the scene. It is, it is just like, it's like, I'm sweating by the end of it just like trying to like keep pace with and be it and am being enamored of but then feeling terribly disgusting at the same time for having participated in this thing which they emphasize again in, in the commentary for this scene they do say like he was like
2: i very much like that uh, how quickly we found the common goal of to make a movie that would celebrate narcissism i think that's pretty groovy yeah cuz that's what i mean after that meeting, we were like, This is what this is about.
1: <laughs> and <laughs> and just like the way like they shined, like he says, like they shine lights directly at the camera. So there are these lens flares. It looks like celestial. Like you almost expect to see like the Milky Way pop up behind her. Mm-hmm. And Then, like, we break out into the bright light of day, and there's Ruby waiting for her.
0: (laughs) Ruby's just been outside the entire time. The entire time. Chain smoking. Chain chain smoking. The prey is still inside. I'm not leaving. I need to. I can't go. Yeah.
2: (laughs) It's funny, too, because I completely agree that, like, this scene forces you to become a witness in her objectification. Mm -hmm. But it's... I, I don't know what it is but him painting her is weirdly beautiful to me. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous.
1: Like it's gorgeous, <laughs> it's like, <laughs>
2: it's the, gorgeous. Like, the fluidity of it. I just uh, sent you guys this gif where he like gold paints her neck. Every once and in a while there, I
1: just look up that gif to watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's because so there's such mesmerizing it's mesmerizing
2: and there's such like inherent violence in that movement, right? Mm-hmm. Like I could be slitting your throat instead of painting it Mm -hmm. and so i think it also implies that there has to be some sort of trust between them as well like each of them has to give themselves over to this process Mm -hmm. and i'm sure that that might sound like i'm like oh well jack's good at his job but like, <laughs> i think i think but again, in the process good of, at his job
1: of two consenting yeah. adults like if he was working with sure. like a good like you know if this was a healthy happy situation and we were watching a photo shoot where Gigi hadid mm-hmm. is working with uh, mario testino and their old mm-hmm. buddies and it's fine they do need that like part of that mm-hmm. artist subject relationship is you need that trust to get the moat and that's like part of why these like top models become such close Con- close compatriots of people they photograph with because it is that kind of exchange of intimacy in a way. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's just it's
2: again one of those things where Ruffin does a very good job making something that is untoward and uncomfortable also absolutely gorgeous to look at. Like this motherfucker. Like he just every time he pulls it off. <laughs> well,
0: we're also watching worth our own um bias of what the industry is. Like totally we're watching, yes we're watching the movie going into this scene thinking um, she's going to be in trouble. As soon as he says, close set, we already have what's going to happen in our head. Oh man! Um, So I I wonder if someone, like if a young audience member, um, maybe even specifically a young girl who wants to get into modeling, but doesn't really know the industry that much. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. wonder if what she would think watching this scene, if she would be like, worth it. Um, I'm totally, I'm up for it. Like, this is fine for me um i think there's a high percentage
1: chance of looking at it being like oh that looks really cool yeah exactly. in the way that like you think like you know you're like oh i'm 15 i could definitely date a 25 year old i'm i'm grown up right right like not as helpless as i
0: look (laughs) not really with the with worldly experience but still that opinion is 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 a thing
1: yeah it's a thing and I I, this like this is this this scene makes me want to get into something that I've been thinking about with a long time for a long time about this movie which is the thing of the aspect of like (laughs) could this movie be made now and could it have been made by can it could this as it exists have been made actually by anybody other than a straight male director pre me too reckoning like can a movie so almost detached well, from the implications of what it's doing with this content matter.
0: Something that I've been thinking about with Refn is, and I, I don't know his personal history. I know he's married and mm-hmm. happily married to his wife, but there's something about his movies. And this goes back to the first episode that we, um, where we were talking about his movies more in mm-hmm. general. Um, and I was saying how he kind of plays his movies in, um, as drag Mm. there's something Mm. about his movies that don't feel like the typical straight male um perspective to me Mm -hmm. um because there's a difference between straight male perspective women's perspective gay male perspective totally um Mm -hmm. and for some reason being a gay guy Mm -hmm. (laughs) i read his movies as gay male mm-hmm. um
1: mm-hmm.
0: That's, no, I, and, I, I, and that's I my bias perspective mean. coming in no i know what you mean about his movie that just does not read straight to me mm-hmm. um this movie more so than others but even some of the others as well um and i i do feel like this movie is a way or his movies in general are a way for him to um experience things that he has not been able to experience in mm-hmm. real life um, to explore things that he um, is interested in, but maybe is not the what the typical straight male is supposed to do. So he's going to explore them through his movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's why I feel like this movie is is kind of rough and in drag. He's mm. He says in that audio commentary that Elle is playing him as a 16-year-old girl. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's very true, that he's mm. exploring what this world would be like for himself mm-hmm. um in addition to the system that already exists totally um
1: i think i don't know thinks, if that answers your
0: question but <laughs> no
1: i'm happy to hear it
2: I, I think he thinks gender is a burden and yes. like a certain responsibility that we all are expected to keep up with and like maintain certain expectations and certain performances of it. Mm -hmm. Because I think that like none of his male characters like past the pusher trilogy are like comfortable in their bodies Mm -hmm. or in who they are. Like Bronson is not really, I mean Valhalla rising is very like visceral and feral but I still think that it's playing with ideas of like manliness versus monstrousness. And Mm -hmm. then obviously like Gosling and drive Mm -hmm. and an only God forgives, I think is weighed upon Mm -hmm. by expectations of being like this super masculine driver figure and by being a good quote unquote son. Mm -hmm. So I think he's always, yeah, I think he's always sort of like playing with these ideas and I, I think that it could get made today by Refin. I don't know if it could get made by anybody else ever and still have this same sort of point of view. I do agree with you. Like we're obviously living in like a post Weinstein time, but I think that this movie doesn't do exactly. I I think like William said, we're all bringing our biases, so mm-hmm. I think we're recognizing that the movie is critiquing this industry, mm-hmm. but I think to certain casual viewers, you could watch it and you could be like, oh, well, like, Jesse does have like a fairy tale Life, you mm-hmm. know, and like yeah. she's just cut down in her prime by these monstrous women. Yeah. Like, I think you could, like, I think you could still watch this movie and think, like, well, that's just the industry; it's fine. Yeah. So I think he's expecting a certain amount of knowledge and a mm. certain amount of understanding that everybody might not have, and that very cynically, I'm just not sure how much the industry has changed. Yeah. Even completely agree. Weinstein. You mm-hmm. know, so. I don't know. I think that he could always make it, but I think like William said, I think that he, I think that his perspective and what he is saying about like what women and men do to each other mm-hmm. is very unique. And I don't know who else could pull that off.
1: I don't, I honestly don't know either. And I, I, I feel like in my biggest question about like the idea of this getting made now, I imagine this like coming in front of People like, you know, potential check writers and being like, okay, but so then uh she gets revenge. Like Jesse reanimates and kills them, or they don't get her in the pool. Like it feels like there would be, it feels like the conversation would be directed to how does she get hers in the end, demonstrating that like she's not just a victim and that these people will pay. When I think a fundamental part of this is that well, we're all paying for it, but we just keep going like Mm -hmm. that. We're all assessing the payment continually and either continuing to march forward or fully taking ourselves out of the equation, like, you know, moving off the grid, going in the middle of nowhere or something. But like the idea that there would have to be, I think there would have to be like, like you said, because I only reffing could do this. I think there would be an, an insistence on a point of view on all this and like a tripping, a, like a raising of the emotional register to indicate that there was a value judgment one way or the other, and the idea of like it's almost like it's agnosticism to me feels like almost like the most controversial part of this movie, mm. because like yeah, the idea of the agnosticism too extends to what uh, a crucial part of this scene, which is well, nothing happened, mm-hmm. right, right. Well, what does mm-hmm. co- what constitutes? something happening and there is no resolution to that question in this movie it's just left up to you to consider what does it mean to have something happen to a vulnerable person mm-hmm. because yeah. i was terrified the entire first time i watched it i knew i knew what i was about to see i was about to right. see sexual assault take off your clothes Right. I knew he was clearing out that room. Like I knew that we were gonna see his hands travel down his body. I knew that we were gonna see his, like we were going to know his hands were going to go inside of her. Like I was, I was horrified and I was sure. And then it didn't happen, and I was so relieved, but relieved in lieu of what? Right. Mm-hmm.
0: She's still prey. Um, even even after it happens, like we're we're watching it tense. I was the same way. I was very tense watching this scene. It was like mm, Please don't do this. Please this don't great. do this. Um, Please don't do this. And then Please. when it then when it doesn't, it's like, okay, thank goodness. But mm-hmm. but wait a minute. Like but wait a minute. But wait, that still shouldn't have happened. Uh-huh. Um, but you, and that's why I think that that quote Is there a problem? It's mm-hmm. such a good quote for this scene because Yeah. yeah like <laughs> it didn't play out the way you were expecting. But mm-hmm. yes, the answer is yes.
1: <laughs> well the way the way that like it, it feels like it, it plays so well into this notion of like if some say she did have a problem with it and she like went and told some people and was like I feel really weird and bad about this like I don't know and they're like oh what happened and if she described yeah. it how many people greeted by their own friends close associates have heard in return oh but like I mean but nothing happened though right, right. like but like he didn't like hurt you oh god thank god I thought he like hurt you or something or, Oh, well, I've heard that about Jack. That's just, that's just Jack's thing. You know, like, Oh my God, but he shot you. Like you shot with Jack. I'm sorry. That was weird, but I mean, that's a great opportunity. Like the way people immediately. And what we talked about with, um, with, um, boyfriend, fake boyfriend and the way stakes keep being introduced to make you reevaluate the severity of the last thing that happened or the next thing that's going to happen because it immediately by immediately making you afraid of the worst case scenario that she's going to get raped when she doesn't suddenly that sliding scale of things that happen to people gets instituted. And it's like, Oh, well, it wasn't like, it wasn't like he attacked. It wasn't like X thing happened. And then immediately anything by comparison becomes benign. I mean, is this not how Terry Richardson still had a career?
2: i really don't think you know canceled Mm -hmm. i don't think terry richardson really been fucking canceled i remember working at american apparel and when i worked at american apparel there were all these rumors about him like scoping out like coming to american apparels Mm -hmm. because he had shot campaigns and like hand-picking models and Mm -hmm. like you know and just like (sighs) there's so much that we tolerate because Mm -hmm. it's quote-unquote not bad enough mm-hmm. and of course at least speaking for myself like I definitely fell into that trap with this scene mm-hmm. like, nothing happens to her nothing, happened like, to nothing her. happens to her mm-hmm. you know and I think that we fall into it too because I think Jesse convinces herself of that right immediately like oh, she yeah. walks
1: out the door yeah. and the question is mm-hmm. how did it go and her response is it was great actually immediately and then Ruby tells mm-hmm. her you know what I'm gonna give you my phone number I want you to call me if anything like
0: i don't think you should be alone with him
1: and jesse's response is
0: he seemed fine to me
1: to which ruby mm-hmm. says
0: it's not what i'm saying jesse mm-hmm.
1: and there's that well i gotta go to my car like that yeah. immediate well let's skip over that because i get that that's not what you mean but i'm not really here to interrogate that mm-hmm. well and, and this-
0: again i'm sorry go ahead william I was just going to say, there's also, there's some time missing that we don't see between the photo shoot and her coming out because she's clearly had a shower. She's come Mm -hmm. out and she's got wet hair. Like Uh there's still things, there are still questions about what is happening here. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but because she is so, um, for lack of a better word, comfortable coming out of Mm -hmm. the building, we're just okay to go with it. Um,
2: yeah i think that's fair and i also think something too is like if we're all talking about hierarchy like this is another jesse hierarchy moment yeah it was fine to her yeah what's the problem yeah like like why was ruby overreact ruby did not need to stay
1: right she looks annoyed jesse looks Mm -hmm. annoyed that her like patronizing chaperone is still there Mm -hmm. right Look, in this reality Jessie killed her parents and yeah. she doesn't need <laughs> she doesn't need it.
2: Okay? She doesn't need this
1: like When she says I'm not as helpless as I look, she mm-hmm. means I've killed my fucking parents,
2: Ruby. Mm-hmm. Bitch,
1: I will murder you. You know, so like I think <laughs> like I think
2: there's there's that too. I mm-hmm. think that she internalizes this. She thinks to herself like Christina Hendricks put me up for this challenge. Mm -hmm. I did good. Mm -hmm. He liked the work.
1: It's going to lead to more work, Mm -hmm. and it does. And the system keeps going, man. As it is, as it is promised to her in the room with Christina Hendricks when she says, "A lot of girls crack under the pressure, Mm -hmm. but if you do a good job, we'll go to New York. You'll be internationally famous." And tells her immediately, "This is what happens to a lot of girls. These are Mm -hmm. the stakes." These are the rewards. And so she lays the whole map out for her. And you kind of like you can see, like knowing what we know and talking about this movie so much, like Jesse is seeing the matrix in a way. Like Mm -hmm. she's overwhelmed. And I do think she I think she feels genuinely threatened, but she's making the calculus in the moment. And she knows exactly where this leads because Christina Hendricks told her. And so far. All of that is coming true. I think an interesting part about that gold paint scene is that there is music. And he he says in the he says in the, the chat that, that the commentary that it was like the first scene that Cliff Martinez scored. That's mm. not a scene. That music is not the twinkly enchantment music mm-hmm. that we typically see when something good is happening to Jesse. And so it's something else. It's something that exists only in this liminal in between space it seems like where she is no place in space or time and she's in a white or a black void and she's with this guy who seems like almost foreign in human skin like just seems apart from the biological world blood filled world around him Mm -hmm. Nosferatu he's Nosferatu look at his ears Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) I mean I think he is as otherworldly as she becomes right right you know like I do think and and again everyone here is otherworldly, right? Which yeah. sort of implies yes. that like maybe there Gigi is something- Gigi and Sarah are not of this terrestrial plane. Right, and neither is Ruby. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very interesting if you read it as Jesse is the only human
1: being in these spaces. Wow, that's a really good point. Cause like Abby even calls it out too. Like she said, Sarah says, I'm a ghost. Yeah. we yeah. know about Gigi. she's the bionic woman she says i'm the bionic woman right. and if he if desmond is nosferatu and he's a vampire and like mm-hmm. cl- ruby is also clearly a vampire mm-hmm. it's true like, F- like oh my god right oh that's so menacing yeah right right you know i, I'm
0: gonna I- save my ideas for i'm a ghost for next week because that's <laughs> We're, I, I have a lot of things to say
2: about that I cannot
1: wait to hear them very excited for that well its yeah. like it almost reminds me of like that the the movie insidious
2: mm-hmm. which i I
1: don't love but like when you go into the the nether realm, the danger for people, projecting into that realm going there is that the dead will find the life the dead Mm -hmm. will be drawn to the life and come to it because they want to be alive they Mm -hmm. want what the living have and so if jesse is like the only living thing among Mm -hmm. all of these husks they all draw to her heat and her blood and her light Mm -hmm. wow yeah i mean i think there's i think
2: there's a lot i mean i think you could probably do that for nearly every character mm-hmm. she comes across, you know, I think you could probably do it for Keanu. Oh, you could yeah. Maybe do He's it. He's been for dead Dean. for centuries.
1: <laughs> you could maybe do it
2: for Christina Hendricks. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that it's very much like they are trying to either make her one of them, mm-hmm. or like we keep talking about, or consume her. So yeah. I think it's just it's very interesting to sort of view it in that way and. In a creepy way, it's like, I would like to know what Jack looks like with his clothes off because, like, you learn a lot about Ruby, right? When yes. she takes her clothes off, yeah, you know, you so, really, yeah. really do, yeah. So, I think it would be very interesting to think, like, what is hiding under your attempt at humanity? Is this like a Vincent D'Onofrio men in black situation? <laughs> like, what are we?
1: Are you in a Jack suit? Are you in an Egger suit? Yeah. So, and if I just, there I is think, if there is a Sarah suit, where can I purchase? Right. Is I there would, something that
2: I can invest yeah. in that that's gives hilarious. me that Christina Hendricks body? Yeah.
1: Is there is there an option here? And because this movie knows that that's exactly what we'll think.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that, that yeah. adds to the whole. I mean, Reffin has even said himself that this movie is just synthetic. Everything he's mm-hmm. doing in this movie is synthetic, and that. There's a whole another level that I hadn't even thought of that mm. they are the bodies that we see are not actually um what they should be yeah <laughs> not mm. actually what what they're presenting is not actually what they are I mean I guess on the surface um bella is definitely you know she's been nip tucked so yeah that's right a part of that uh-huh. um but every single character not being an actual human is mm-hmm. such a oh that's a good read I love that
1: I know. I love that. Sometimes, guys, it comes sometimes, not a lot.
2: <laughs> Every so often.
1: There but, are very um, there are very few movies I've ever been more curious to know what like Megan Fox with Jennifer's Body being one of them. Um, talk about like to, to wish to hear them talk about in retrospect, like retrospectives are fun, retrospectives are cool, but like, not just because it would be interesting, it, w- it would just be like, oh, it's entertaining to hear Kurt Russell and John Carpenter talk about Big Trouble in Little China because it was a flop at the time and it's found its audience. And it- those are really exciting hooting and hollering screenings. I am so curious to know how L Fanning would talk about this now in a way that you just straight up don't have the fucking language to talk mm-hmm. about when you're 17 years old. Like- yeah. Not that she would have a wildly different perspective on things, but just knowing what life experience or language she has accumulated in the time since then, she's now in her mid20s and she's on a show like the great that is very body and that she really enjoys making. and she clearly like, you know, there are the pictures of her on the red carpet with Reffin with this movies coming out at can and she's like doing the Dukes up pose with him. like they're little boxers like and they seem to enjoy one another's company in that way. I'd be so curious to know. And, like, you know, with the the landscape, at least rhetorically, if not, like, materially changing, like, around Hollywood, conversations we have about bodies, equity, women, marginalized people, I'd be curious if she had, like, I don't think she's going to be some font of insight, maybe she could be, but I wouldn't, like, rely on her for that, but I just want to know, I would love to have, like, a talk back with her and be like, so, a retrospective, L, revisiting this role, any additional thoughts? I would just be very curious. I, I mean, like, Refin would say the exact same things, but I'd be that, very curious what L would say. That's what I was gonna
2: ask because I, I really would be curious—not necessarily for like a scene-by-scene analysis yeah. for Refin, but just like, h- h- how <laughs> did you come to this? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, because I just feel like you know we've talked about this a lot, but like his da- his ideas are not necessarily always masculine, but I think always about some certain presentation Mm -hmm. of masculinity and like these very niche subcultures Mm -hmm. whereas fashion is not a subculture right like it dictates so much of how we live Mm -hmm. so i would just be very curious to ask him like why this and yeah like with some distance removed would he say anything different I don't think the industry's changed mm-hmm. so I don't think you know there's a lot different I think he would very different... boldly
1: say that well nothing has changed so my position remains yeah. the same yeah it is so it is just... interesting to hear him in the commentary the one like one of the most human moments he has is when Jesse is like stripping down and everything and looking very terrified. And he's like, Mm -hmm. he's like, stops talking about like, like a light package for a moment to be like, you know, and I have a, I'm a father of daughters. Like I have girls and like, how would I feel if they were in this situation? And him even asking himself that rhetorically felt like just such a change from hearing Mm -hmm. him talk about it up to that point, like talking over the most like compromising physical scene for Jesse by just talking about light setups and talking when she goes into the modeling agency about how they shot Drive down the street. Like mm-hmm. he's just he's just vibing. He's just having a conversation over lunch. But in that moment, like he finally relates it back to himself, and it's like, oh, look, there you are, yeah. a human uh, man.
2: Well, follow up. Is this the most compromising scene?
1: Well, it kind of depends on how you look at it, right? It depends, on William. How you look at what
2: it. do you think?
0: I I think that for Jesse, um, yeah, it depends on how you look at it. I th- I feel like there we're gonna get to it later, but I feel like mm-hmm. there's some stuff in the house later. Yeah. For me, I think that it's that might the house. be a little bit and that was also for me watching a very uncomfortable thing. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. uh because at, at least at that point she was a year older. She had her birthday during the filming, but mm-hmm. still yeah. not old enough. Not old like enough. it Yeah yeah we'll get to that scene later we will get to that <laughs> yeah.
1: what is yeah. she and, and again in a very L moment on the commentary she's like he, he was like are you 16 when we're filming this and she's like yeah because we had my birthday in the motel room and, and order so
0: a cake or something like that oh
1: Keanu <laughs> yeah Aww. and so she has her birthday in the scary motel room when she turns 17 but mm. like at that point it is still like again even 17 it's like not old enough so, okay, that's
2: that's what i want the oral history of keanu going to buy the cake well well was it was
0: it like um by day keanu has a knife in my mouth and then he goes to buy a cake and then he brings me a cake was that the same day could you imagine
2: god i hope so i really do
1: oh my god i really
2: do that's my dream
1: <laughs> there's your oral history roxana
2: that's the retrospective i want it's oh just l's god. cute god bunny baby voice yeah 10,000
1: gorgeous, adorable
2: bunnies yeah that was the scene where he almost murdered me yeah and then he got me a chocolate cake yeah he's you so know? sweet like, yeah oh and I everything's
1: love fine yeah and <laughs> right. everything's I love fine. him so much yeah so <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right as we start talking about future scenes I feel like that brings us to the end of this conversation mm-hmm. which sets up for the next one the next time we will be talking will be, I'm a ghost. Is it not? It's Love the it. ghosty.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh,
0: yeah. well that. My yeah, God. We, we have two two good quotes for next week. It's it's I'm, I'm a ghost, and also it's everything. It's everything.
1: Yeah, it's everything. We're, we have to
0: get into both of those
1: i Mm -hmm. am like i will i will just i will spend an hour before we start before we even log on next time just screaming about abby lee to myself to get it out of my system so that just isn't me the entire time we're talking no
0: please don't do that because i want to hear (laughs) i want to also scream about abby lee (laughs) and i want to hear your screams
2: i I will give my space for both (laughs) to scream (laughs) that's what i've wanted for like Eight hours that we've done.
1: <laughs> I mean, this I cannot wait to talk about the foundational premise of this movie. Well, foundational premise of this movie being that Abby Lee is in second place uh in right. the hot contest. Yeah. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> can't wait to dive into Abby Lee being a ghost. Um, but until then, we've given you so much to process. Uh, you can find me, Jordan Cruciola, at Twitter, JorCrew, J-O-R-C-R-U and patreon.com slash cruciola pay for shit. We love it. Um, how about you guys? Where can we find you?
0: I'm Mm. at William O Tyler on any social media. Um, and I also have Patreon, patreon.com slash William O Tyler. Um, I'm easy to find William O Tyler anywhere.
2: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Roxana underscore Haddadi. I do not have a Patreon, but <laughs> if you were going to give me something, give it to Jordan and William instead.
1: Hey, oh. I accept. I accept that <laughs> generosity. And I do want to say, I just, I haven't, I, the name Roxana Hadadi is so good.
2: Oh, thank you. It's I such mean- a
1: good, I love hearing you. I look forward to hearing you say it in your Roxana Hadidi voice every week because it's just so sonorous.
2: Oh, thank you. I appreciate that so much. I've had 3 people call me Roxana Hadidi this week. So it's <laughs> okay. been still a constant struggle every day of my life. Is Hadidi but, uh, the most
1: common swap in?
2: Yeah, it used to be it's interesting. For most of my life it was Roxanne was the sure. incorrect. Yeah. And now it's Hadidi. So like I <laughs> People are wiling but uh, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Yes,
1: your true and given name is is yeah. great. um And William O. Tyler sounds like a captain of industry. Like I feel like we have like a historical figure <laughs> baron like mm-hmm. on the podcast. Maybe and in then, the future. <laughs> and then I've told I've been told my last name sounds like a Harry Potter incantation. Mm, which no, i also sounds, accept sounds like a delicious italian cured meat like Ooh. it always makes me hungry Something, i would order a cruciola at the deli some food.
2: yeah yeah it makes me want della really bad <laughs> <laughs> it's the highest compliment i can When get. i
1: hear you say your name i just want a charcuterie plate yeah delicious Jordan. yeah who doesn't want to be immediately associated with charcuterie yeah um all right i have taken us far enough afield but next week oh man it like I, I would love like it's it feels like I I'm like say every week that like we're building up to a climactic point. Every episode feels like a climactic point, these conversations, because I enjoy them so much. But next week it is the like, you know, dueling intentions of I'm a ghost and it's everything. So Please join us from um, us, me and William. Perhaps the height of our enthusiasm in one <laughs> yeah. in one specific regard. Most um, definitely. Yeah, we've got a, we've got a, we've got so much more models to talk about. So thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you next time. I don't want to be them. They want to be
2: me.